Last week during my homily, I didn't talk much about something very important that happened. We had this marvelous confession of faith coming from St. Peter. He said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God to Jesus. And in response, what Jesus said was, Peter, you are rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. That's where we we get the papacy. That's where we get the very foundations of our church. It's an incredibly important reading. But then today's gospel, which happens just moments after this amazing thing happened with Peter, we have another episode with Peter where Jesus has told him and the other disciples that he is going to die at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. He's going to die and then raise himself from the dead. Now, maybe he didn't mention that, raising himself from the dead in quite so obvious terms. But what is Peter's response this time? It's God forbid that that should happen. And so what is Jesus' response to Peter? It says, He says, get behind me, Satan. You are an obstacle to me. If you look at the Greek like the very smart people who write the commentaries that I read do, you would know that that word obstacle is the Greek word for rock again, except this time it's the kind of rock upon which you trip, upon which you stumble. And so in the space of just a few short verses, we have Peter, the foundational rock upon which Jesus Christ will build his church, and then Peter, the rock upon which the faithful will stumble if they try to follow him. What is the difference? Jesus Christ tells us right away, Peter is not thinking as God does, but as human beings do. And isn't that a problem that we all have so often? We always want to think that we are right. The truth is what I think it is. But the reality is that only God has the fullness of truth. Only God is that truth. And it's only when we listen to God and follow him that we will find that truth, that we will know it that we'll be able to satisfy that longing of our heart for the truth. There's only one truth. It doesn't change from person to person. And that truth is God. That truth is God. Along with that, there's perhaps one mistake that most of us make every day, and it's that we forget that we live in a fallen world. Our world is broken, and if that's not obvious, then open your eyes. Our world is broken, and it's going to stay that way until Christ comes again in glory at the second coming. Until that day, we are to seek that truth by taking up our cross and following Jesus Christ. We are to live the Christian life and to invite others to join us in doing so. Because we see the brokenness of the world, but then we stand up against it. St. Paul tells us, do not conform yourselves to this age. Instead, what we must do is conform ourselves to God, to his will. 
And if we do this, we will be like Jeremiah in the first reading. Some context here. Jeremiah, he started out, things were great. And then everything went to hell in a handbasket. The leadership of his country was broken. Everybody thought that they were on top of the world. You know, and there were all of these sins within his society. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And Jeremiah was called to preach against all of these things. And if we do exactly what God calls us to do, we will be just like he was, objects of laughter and of mockery. But that word of God that is in our hearts will not be content if we try to imprison it there. Because we cannot endure the fire of God's word. We have to cry out. We have to let it out. We have to preach from the bottom of our hearts, especially against the brokenness in our society. We have to cry out against things like the slaughter of our children. The number one cause of death in the United States, it's not heart disease, it's not cancer, it's not even going to be coronavirus this year. It is like it has been for decades abortion. And if you think, oh no, father's getting on his soapbox again. In 2017, the most recent year I have numbers for, 862,000 children died to abortion. Heart disease only took 650,000. Cancer, 600,000. Car accidents, things like that, 167,000. This year, coronavirus, we're at 183,000 right now. Even if we have a really awful end of the year, it won't come close. We have to cry out about these things. But it's not just that. That's not the only sin in our society. We have to cry out about the destruction of our families, most of all through this idea of a no-fault divorce. I understand that sometimes people must separate for safety and for some other reasons. But this idea that I got tired of my spouse, that I found someone better, we can't have that. We have to cry out against all of these sins, against chastity, against contraception, pornography, adultery, premarital sex, self-pleasure, because what do these things do? They take that great gift of love that God gave us to share with all of those around us, some in the context of a marital relationship, and they turn them inward so we're not sharing those things with the people for whom they are intended. We must cry out against senseless violence, against murders that are all too often the result of some diabolical hatred. Because all hatred is that. It's diabolical. We have to cry out against intentional acts of racism where we treat someone differently just because of how they look. All of these things are serious offenses against God. And I can't say that every time they happen, it's a mortal sin because we have to have the intention to do those things, but a lot of times it is. Now, if we fall into these things, we know that when we turn back to God, he can forgive us, that he will forgive us. But that does not excuse us from fighting against them every day. The world will hate us for doing this. But we are not of this world. When we were baptized, we became children of God. We became children of heaven. 
And so as we travel through this life, we are sojourners looking at our true homeland, looking towards heaven, looking towards God, because that is the goal of our life. God, who will bring us that eternal happiness if we let him. Our hearts, they will not be content until they have God. St. Augustine, his feast day was just two days ago. He wrote it so beautifully when he said, Lord, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And how do we do that? We deny ourselves. We take up whatever crosses we have been given, and we follow Christ. In the process of doing that, we will lose ourselves. We will lose this false and broken self that covers up the beautiful jewel that God wants to show all of the world that resides in our hearts. He will set our hearts on fire with love for him and for our neighbor. The world sees that, and that's not what it wants. So it will persecute us. It will hate us. But none of that matters. Because our Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who loves us with an infinite and incomprehensible love, will come one day with his angels and with his Father's glory. And he will repay each of us according to our deeds, according to our conduct. And so we must strive always to be on the right side of that judgment. As Jesus Christ reminds us today in the gospel, what good is it to have fame, to have a claim in this world, when the result would be to lose the glory of heaven and suffer the pains of hell? St. Paul today writes, let us not conform ourselves to this age, but be transformed by the renewal of our minds so that we can discern the will of God, what is good and pleasing and perfect. Let us today make our prayer that we may discern that will of God and that we may follow it with all of our hearts every day of our lives.